the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Relax. It's just Friday. I am so over Friday. I like, you know, whatever. The weekend's great. But you know what? So is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You know, you can't wish your life away. Uh, And the inevitable depression that comes on Sunday doesn't have to come. It really doesn't. That is artificial. That's from the world. I have, I told you, I've kind of rewired my brain with the help of the uh, Bible. And uh, I can be as happy on Sunday night, as I can be on Friday night or Monday morning, it all blends together. It's very, very cool. Granted, I am ready for the weekend. Uh, it's going to be crazy hot, or whatever. Quite frankly, I miss the, I miss the chilliness. I now I think I know. I am not a hot weather person. I don't like it. It gets very muggy and grubby and nasty, and your clothes don't feel as nice. And you can't. I, I, I don't like it. And by the way, if you're like me and you're Carrying around a few extra pounds, you know, you can't conceal it as much on a hot day as you can on a chilly day with a sweater or a jacket. I mean, what am I going to wear tomorrow? 93 degrees. Am I going to have to go out with a short sleeve shirt on? I don't know. I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know if I want to, you know, you feel kind of exposed. What am I going to do? What should I do? I should stay inside where it's air conditioned. I'm actually thinking about going to a movie. When does Top Gun come out? Top Gun's coming out next week. I want to see that. Tom Cruise, um, you know, Tom Cruise is actually a pilot, but he wasn't a military pilot like me. Comes out in four days. What is that? What what does it come out on a Tuesday? When does it come out? What? It comes out on Tuesday? What is it? The 20th? 21, 22, 20. It comes out on Tuesday. That's puzzling. Boy, they're going to make it a big Memorial Day weekend. Next weekend is Memorial Day weekend, the beginning of the summer. Man, time is going fast. Hey, I caught up with somebody who I hadn't seen, an old friend in about a decade or so. And they're telling me about their life. And they they work in, you know, corporate America. Big, big, big company. You've heard of it. You probably use their products. And you know what it's like there? Oh, my gosh. It's Woke City. It is Woke Central. And they're taking, you know, these these classes about understanding race and white privilege. And if you, by the way, dare say anything about this stuff, they accuse you of having white fragility. And you're using your white, uh, I don't know, your white, your, your white privilege, I guess, to uh, to your advantage. And it's all colonial. And, of course, you got to be anti-colonial. And what is going on? I'll tell you what's going on. Quite frankly, it's racism against white people. It really is a thing. It's really happening. And not only is it being tolerated, it's being encouraged. It's being encouraged by Joe Biden himself and the left and media. A lot of people who, quite frankly, if there is such a thing as white privilege, they they have it. They benefited from it. And um, they just desperately want to hold on to it. And how do you do that? You, I guess you your virtue signal, you signal to the mob that you're with them. But it's really a selfish power grab. I told you most people, black, white, Asian, Hispanic, whatever, don't view the world this way because we're comfortable with each other. White liberals came from a world where there weren't many people of color. That's not the world I came from, by the way. Just growing up, uh, it just wasn't a big deal. People were different. You didn't really 
think about it all that much? It's true. Did you play football? Did you join the military? Did you ever work in retail? Did you ever work construction? You, 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 you find people from all walks of life in those professions, all classes, too. This is not just a class thing. You find people actually, but you do find people who, uh, as the saying goes, and i got to find another saying because I can't stand it, but who don't look like you, right, or don't look like me or whatever. Everybody, but no, no. Now everybody just goes around liking to count faces. Count, oh, and the big thing you can do, power grab no matter what your race is. I just don't think there's enough diversity here. And we need to address that and find the systemic solution. Well, knock yourself out finding the systemic reasons. I'm actually all for that. And I know one of the big reasons why there's possibly not enough uh, diversity in certain professions and why there's probably not enough diversity in certain institutions, like jail, like prison. Why are some races disproportionately represented there? Well, we can go back into the archives and find a few brave liberals, even, who were willing to talk about it, but they only talked about it to accrue power and status and prestige for themselves. Yeah, Barack Obama, 2008. What did he say? He said that too many fathers are AWOL. Too many fathers are missing in action. And he said that this is true in every community, but in no community is it worse than in the African-American community. And then he says, we know the statistics. And then that a family without a father, the children are more likely to drop out of high school and more likely to end up in prison. He also went further about culture in general in the African-American community. Aspects of it, you know, I don't, it's something else I want to think about and I got to kind of, because there's no such thing as a white community, right? I don't think there's any such thing as a African-American community. That seems a little bit too simplistic. But it's his words, by the way. So Barack Obama gives me, uh, you know, just kind of using him as a, as a reference, in the African-American community, right? What did he say about the African-American community? That a child who talks too well is acting white. A child with a book is also acting white, not being true to his or herself. And ra- what the hell is that all about? And I was with Obama on that one. That sounds pretty corrupt and weird. What lie was sold in the African American community where that was given life? Because that's obviously repugnant. But it's there, and um, Obama didn't do anything to counteract it other than show up for a few photo ops and shoot hoops in the hood. You've seen those videos, right? No, he didn't lift a damn finger. I'll say it for his race. He didn't. Instead of looking inward, they looked externally. They looked to that uh, racist cop in Cambridge, Massachusetts, who hassled that professor. Remember that? They look to George Zimmerman, of course, yes, shot Trayvon Martin in cold blood, right? Wrong. George Zimmerman was found not guilty. But again, this is what they did. Obama and the left point to externals, externals instead, inwardly. What can we do to fix this? 
And that reminds me, inwardly, externals. Eh, I'll come back to that. George W. Bush. We we played this yesterday, but I think it's worth doing again. Just remember, this is the worst president. Even, is he as bad as Biden? I don't know. At least from time to time, George W. Bush tried to present some hope. Biden is trying to scare everybody all the time. Hey, I heard Charles Payne, actually. You know who that guy is, the financial guy? He's on Fox Business a lot. I knew him when he was on Fo- uh, New York One. Really bright, really interesting. And he says that Joe Biden is trying to make young black children afraid of white people. And you know what? I'm like, yeah, actually, that's what he's doing. He's always talking down America and talking up division. Why would he do such a thing? Well, for short-term political benefit, I guess, uh, to uh, shore up his woke roots, who knows? But presidents aren't supposed to talk like that. They're supposed to unite. Hey, the campaign is over, at least for now. Try governing for a change, you nitwit. No, they can't. Ronald Reagan, remember that? He talked about the city on a hill. He talked about the potential, the, the greatness of America. Even when Joe Biden tries to be hopeful, what does he do? There's not a damn thing we can't do. We're America, damn it. Remember that? Last week, he just gets so angry when he tries to be hopeful. Strange, strange dude. All right, one more time. George W. Bush, you finally got it right on Iraq. Cut 21. The decision of one man to launch a wholly unjustified and brutal invasion of Iraq. Wow. <laughs> wow. Damn straight. Brutal and unjustified invasion of Iraq. He said this to the Elks Club in Dallas. Now he wanted to say Ukraine. George W. Bush. And then he gets a little bit of a chuckle out of it. Cut 22. Russian elections are rigged. Political opponents are imprisoned or otherwise eliminated from participating in the electoral process. The result is an absence of checks and balances in Russia and the decision of one man to launch a wholly unjustified and brutal invasion of Iraq. I mean, of Ukraine. (laughs) Iraq, too. Anyway. uh, (laughs) Seventy-five. Uh... <laughs> Not funny. Hey, Trump is 75. You don't see him making old man jokes. He said Iraq, too. Well, he's right. I guess uh, Freudian slip or whatever, but it was unjustified and it was brutal. Nearly 5,000 Americans died. How many? I think maybe 20,000 lost limbs. PTSD, you name it, they got it. And he's just uh, now coming to terms with it. Now, remember this about Bush. Had no business being president whatsoever. I mean, talk about, (laughs) should I say white privilege or whatever? I don't know. I mean, a pretty mediocre guy in every sense of the word. Didn't achieve anything. Was nothing in business. Was the front man for a bunch of rich guys who bought the Texas Rangers. I'm sorry, I'm not impressed if you become the governor of Texas and your dad's the president of the United States. That's not impressive to me. But he managed to become the governor, and as soon as he became governor, they thought, okay, he looks the part, sounds the part, it's got the name, let's run him for president. And he becomes president. 
9-11 happens, and it didn't have to happen if he had been more on top of it, if he had greater expect, expertise and experience, he would have reacted appropriately to the warnings that were all over the place in the summer of 2001. So he blew it in 2001. September 11th attacks happened. He was indecisive and weak, and he was late and light in responding. Afghanistan, right? Yeah, no, we were late and light in responding. We should have been pounding that country on September 11th. It was about a month before we got our act together. We gave the Taliban a great big head start. And you know who was able to call this out? Donald Trump. And everybody, so many people know this, but it's almost too, it's too much sometimes for people to acknowledge. But it's true. And I remember being appalled that Jeb Bush could somehow be considered presidential timber. Jeb Bush, remember him? Oh, I got to go. All right. I got to play you this. It's awesome. This is why the Trumps are hated by the establishment Republicans. It's amazing stuff. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. It should be the biggest trial in the country right now. Michael Sussman, the lawyer for the Hillary Clinton campaign, one of them, uh, caught making up stuff about uh, Russia and Trump, that whole collusion stuff. It was a great big hoax. This guy knew it was a hoax, made an appointment with the FBI to report it, said he was doing it on his own, that he just found this stuff out as a good citizen. The FBI definitely knew better, but went along with it anyway. Turns out he was working for the Hillary Clinton campaign. His name is Sussman, and the trial is underway right now. Not a damn person in the world really is paying attention to it. Why? Because it implicates Hillary. It implicates Democrats. It implicates the FBI. So they don't want to know about it. Meanwhile, do you remember? Do you remember how over the top it was regarding Manafort uh, when he was tried? Now, who the hell was Paul Manafort? I mean, really, is that a household name? Did people know who Paul Manafort was? No. They made him famous because of his association with Trump. Roger Stone. I know some, a few more people knew him. He was kind of eccentric with his clothes and whatnot. But still, that wasn't a household name. And they went nuts with the, uh, the Stone trial, day two. The Stone trial, day 16. How about poor George Papadopoulos? How many, name, how many times did you hear that name in the news? Constant, constant, constant. And uh, Michael Sussman, that's not exactly sweeping the nation right now, is it? But it looks like they've got a really, really solid case against him. John Durham, he really did take his time, but he's prosecuting right now. And uh, I think that this could, well, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? He's charged with lying to the FBI. And I hope that this is just the first in a series of prosecutions. I just saw a headline. Did Hillary Clinton know about this? Undoubtedly, she knew about this. But her cause was so righteous, right? Stopping Trump. Do whatever you can to stop Trump. Lie about him. Say he's a Russian spy. Oh, by the way, spy on his campaign. Oh, yeah, they did that. They misused and abused the FISA court. All that stuff. Man, the guy is always right. He is always right. Hey, here's somebody who's always wrong and always bad and always late, Eric Adams. I haven't really thought about him too much lately. He's really a non-entity when you think about it. 
He's just going to party after party after party. I used to do that. So what? You can't govern a city that way. Maybe you can, you know, run a talk show in the morning, but you can't you can't be a a mayor out all night. Bottles and models. I hear he's got a thing for the models. What's this? Cut 15. Eric Adams. What the hell is he up to? I have been bringing out new technology of cameras on tasers, cameras on guns, of, you know, using drones. This is what I do. My responsibility is to find technology to keep people safe. Wow. Thank you for all that technology. Cameras on drones. I have a feeling they already have the cameras on drones. That's why you have drones. The camera. Uh, uh, what else is he doing here? Cut 16. You know, I did my job. My job is to sell my case uh, to the lawmakers, and now they go back and deliberate. <laughs> uh, it was some great conversation. It was actually good to speak to some of my colleagues one-on-one um, to hear their concerns. We shared our concerns, and you know, many of them believe uh, we're going to continue to move the school system in the right direction. Yeah, it sounds like a BS uh, <laughs> junket, doesn't it? Sounds like a political trip. Yeah, I'm sure that they got together and talked about the schools one-on-one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he's really, he's, he's, uh, I can't say I'm surprised. He's as bad as I thought. This is it. This is, this is what you get. Uh, oh, I'll say something about his clothes in a second. Uh, cut 17. We already done some amazing stuff. Think about that. Uh, dyslexia screening for every child, investment in scholarship funds for children, uh, what we're doing about summer youth employment. With only five months in office, uh, we have just moved this conversation to the right direction. We want to continue to do, do that, and mayoral accountability will allow us to do it. Mayoral accountability, like voting you out of office, like indicting you, like a petition to uh, have you removed. Summer youth employment. Hey, you know who... Uh instituted that i think it was fiorello laguardia and you know who actually even kicked it up a notch let's see here it was john Lindsay. now when did he become mayor let me check 1966 65 66 this is real cutting edge stuff there eric uh oh now we get to the corruption part of the angle because this guy is a hustler this guy is one hustler cut 18 Frank was not my chief of staff at the time. He was in private practice. <laughs> uh, there were a number of, number of companies he was affiliated with. I had no idea. No idea. I discovered this after we had a terrible incident uh, where someone lost uh, their, their life. Oh. And I looked at this and saw it. It's a tool that could really prevent some of the deaths that we have witnessed with police and particularly those who have dealing with emotional illnesses, interaction. What? All right. I, I, I can't tell who he's... If Frank is his friend who is somehow involved in all of this. Cut 19. This is mm. not something that is taking place right now as the chief of staff and as a governmental employee. He was not a governmental employee. He was in private practice. And we, need to, we have to be really clear on that. And right yeah. now, as the mayor, we go beyond what is required to do so. And that's really commendable on his part. Yeah, right. This is just like that uh, Michael Sussman. You know, I'm doing this on my own. I'm not doing this uh, for the Hillary Clinton campaign. I had no idea. No idea. Uh, is there one more we want to do here? Uh, cut 20. 
we do not, as uh, as government officials, we recuse ourselves. If we are the mayor of the New York, the agencies determine what technology they're going to use. Uh, even this technology <laughs> that we're looking to identify yeah. guns. Oh, now, yeah. imagine oh, yeah. me mm -hmm. saying, no, we're not going to <laughs> invest in technologies that could identify guns because someone is an, an investor in that technology. That just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You know, good technology that saves lives it I makes have an obligation money and responsibility to bring yeah. it forward uh, to the agencies to make those determination that is what we did we had i had no idea uh, that uh, <laughs> mr uh, frank wasn't investing in any company i was focused on saving the lives of new york he's over explaining he's over explaining you catch that hey that's what these agencies do all right they know technology eric doesn't we know what's out there there's an ongoing conversation about technology it comes Eric Eric is out there freelancing with his friend Frank. I told you he was a bum. Uh, uh, let me tell you exactly. No. Oh, gosh. All right. There's the music. When we come back. Um, hmm. Hmm. Should I tell you about a dilemma I have in my marriage? Maybe we'll talk about that. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Everything's okay at home. The wife, I just know, is not going to want to go with me to the Top Gun movie, so I'm going to have to go with some dude. And Because uh, you can't go to the movies by yourself, right? Uh, no. I mean, Then again, who cares? Then again, who goes to the movies anymore anyway, right? No one, it's not, no. I, maybe I will. I don't know. I really do want to see it, Top Gun. First time back in the movie theater since COVID. I haven't seen anything since COVID. Um, I know people were kind of freaked out about the grimy theater and people worried about beg buds, beg, bed bugs even before COVID. I always found a movie theater very, very cozy and nice. I look forward to it. Oh, here's the reason why uh, George W. Bush, establishment Republicans, hate Donald Trump because, as they say, he says the quiet part out loud. This is 2016, February 14th, Valentine's Day. And there was a debate in South Carolina, and listen to this. Um, uh, Jeb Bush is the first voice you'll hear. Remember him? <laughs> George W. Bush's older brother is going to be president? No, no. I'm so glad that didn't happen. Uh, cut 24. I could care less about the insults that Donald Trump gives to me. It's blood sport for him. He enjoys it, and I'm glad he's happy about it. He's but I am, and tired, I am sick and tired of him going after my family. My dad is the greatest man alive in my mind. And while, while Donald Trump was building a reality TV show, my brother was building a security apparatus to keep us safe, and I'm proud of what he did. <laughs> He's had the gall to go the after World my Trade mother. Center came He's down had the gall to go after reign. my mother. That. Hold on. Let me finish this. He's had the gall to go after my mother. That's not keeping Look, us I won safe. the lottery when I was born 63 years ago and looked up and I saw my mom. mom my mom is the strongest woman I know. She should this be is running. not about my family or his family. She should be running. I mean, talk about bold. Talk about strong. Talk about, wow. And yeah, September 11th did happen on the... George W. Bush watch, and it didn't have to. Didn't have to. And what else happened on that watch? 
Iraq. We invaded Iraq. And what is George W. Bush saying about that now? One more time for a review. He said this uh, the other day in Dallas. Cut 21. The decision of one man to launch a wholly unjustified and brutal invasion of Iraq. Yep, that was you, George. And uh, I guess you still, it really smarts, even though you know it was unjustified, even though you know it was brutal, unnecessary. It really, really rankles you guys when when Donald Trump calls you out on it. Uh, Cut 25. Obviously, the war in Iraq was a big, fat mistake, all right? It was a mistake. The war in Iraq, we spent $2 trillion, thousands of lives. We don't even have it. Iran is taking over Iraq with the second largest oil reserves in the world. Obviously, it was a mistake. So George Bush made a mistake. We can make mistakes, but that one was a beauty. We should have never been in Iraq. We have destabilized the Middle East. Damn right. Damn right. Hey, you know, I love how plainly he speaks, how directly. Very few candidates... You know, I would have said it was an egregious error in judgment. It was a a, a catastrophic failure at the strategic level. No, it was a big, fat mistake. We make mistakes. That was a beauty. Believe me. I just love it. He lets the language serve him. He doesn't serve the language. You get it? I love that. Good job, President Trump. Bye-bye, Jeb Bush. Let's see here. Andrea is in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Hi, how are you? What's going on down there? Welcome. Okay, I just want to tell you something. And by the way, I spent Fourth of July with your parents <laughs> at the Water Club many years ago. But it, it, it's well, I said I spent time with them more recently than you. So, <laughs> anyway, what's up? I'm sure of that. This was back in the day when we had a really good mayor, <laughs> Bloomberg of that uh, Giuliani. But no, what I wanted to say, it's not about race. It's about looks. It's about brains. It's about personality and it's about money. That's how people get ahead. That's how people what? Two, that's how people get ahead. It, it has nothing to do with race. It, 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 if you've got two of the four, you're in the catbird seat. All right, let me get to the, the, the it's about looks I have seen studies where good-looking people definitely uh, have it easier in some respects, sometimes too easy. Sometimes I think Absolutely. it can be very tough to be a beautiful woman because you got every jerk. How you about know, a beautiful guy? And I, I think it's actually a little bit easier in life. The problem with being a beautiful woman, correct me if I'm wrong, but you got every guy you know, making a fool out of themselves trying to – get close to you and do this, that, and the other thing, and it can get a little bit overwhelming and tedious, and uh, yeah. everybody and wants something from brain. you. What? <laughs> that's where brains kick in. All right, well, brains. All right, well, everybody knows that brains are good, so we got looks, we got brains, I got looks, I got brains, I got what? Personality. Well, that's very subjective. I mean, what's a good personality to one is not, I mean, there's not a universal, not everybody, you know, not everybody feels that a certain personality is a winning personality. Tastes very wildly. Wouldn't you agree? About being charming. Charming means different things to different people. I un- I often back to the pretty woman thing. If uh, well, a if a woman is if someone's beautiful, if someone's beautiful, they almost always assume that they're charming and they got a great personality, even when they don't. No, no, no. 
if you if you know what you're doing, you roll. Hey, Andrea, I know you hung out with my parents 20 years ago, but uh, how do you know all this stuff? What makes it you the expert? It wasn't 20 years ago. You said back, back in the day, you said something along those lines. You said something about Rudy Giuliani, too. <laughs> Seriously, how do you know so much? No, it was, no, I'm it was not saying you're wrong. You're on to something here. But what, how do you, what, 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 you know, what, what is your background? What do you do? I'm retired. No. Well, you have a lot of wisdom, and you've seen all this stuff. I get it. I get it. All right. Hey, wait, wait, wait. We got brains. We got looks. We got personality. And what's the other thing? Money. Oh, money. Well, yeah, sure. No kidding. Absolutely. Yeah, but if you have two of the four, forget about it. You can kill the world. Uh, I don't know about that. Um, I will say okay. this: there is such okay, a I'm thing. Hold on, Andrea. Hold on, uh, Andrea. Okay. Andrea, relax. Hold on. There women. is such a thing as having too much. Too much of any of these things, but, but including money, money, can be a problem. Babies, you see. What? They've got nothing going for them for the most part. Huh? They relied upon, they fell back on the cushion. Look, if you always have a cushion, you may not try enough. I know somebody right now, they got all kinds of cushions. Everything's cushy in life. So I fear that this person is not you know, hungry enough to get to the next level because they got these well, cushions all over the place. It, that's what it comes down to is being hungry and you want to get better. And that comes back to brain. Speaking of hunger, challenge people with a brain need a challenge. They just don't fall back on their laurels. So before retirement, what did you do? I was in the fashion industry. A little hesitant there. No, no, I wasn't. Then I became a mom. And uh, well, that's beautiful. Now I, 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 I just um, I, I, I invest in stocks. All right, good for you. Do you smoke cigarettes? No, why? Because I've got a deep voice. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> Did you ever? No. All right. Oh well, I have when I drank. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. I know the. I know. I know it. I know. It. I've had this voice since I was little. It's very charming, by the way. I've got, You're I've got charming. Siblings, same voice. What do you look like? I'm beautiful. I've, I've got green eyes. I'm five foot five. And? 10 pounds. How many? Okay. 110. Wow. Well, let's see. Uh, you got money. You got looks. You got the personality. You're pretty spunky all, there. I had to work for it. I didn't come from money. Yeah. I worked my ass off. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, congratulations. I like you, Andrea, very much. I like you too, Greg. All right. Hang on. Wait, one other thing. How do you know my parents? I mean, how did that come about? What happened? No, literally, we were at the water club on 4th of July, and um, your father. The water came club, in with you mean on the East River? Yes. Was and this in 2000? Wait, 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 wait. Was it. And, and his girlfriend, and that, that the chief of uh, um, the fire department. All right. I can't recall his name at the moment. All right. Well, fabulous, fabulous. Yeah. Andrea, thank you very much. I'll give him your very best. Good stuff, good stuff indeed. Um, yeah, she's got it all figured out. I don't disagree. Although I do think that the good-looking women, they can uh, it, it can work against them. It can. Let's see here. Oh, one other thing about George W. Bush. Another reason why I have no regard for this guy, how nasty he is about Trump supporters, about MAGA, about the deplorables, yeah, right, us. This is what he thinks about us. Listen to this. He said this on the 20th anniversary of September 11th. He was in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Cut 26, please. And we have seen growing evidence that the dangers to our country can come not only across borders, but from violence that gathers within. 
There's little cultural overlap between violent extremists abroad and violent extremists at home. But then there's disdain for pluralism in their disregard for human life, in their determination to defile national symbols. They are children of the same foul spirit, and it is our continuing duty to confront them. You go to hell. You go to hell, George W. Bush. We know what you're talking about. That's that's code. That's code for Trump supporters and the lies that you tell about them. Did you hear that? The disdain for pluralism. That's how you know. He's not talking about Black Lives Matter and Antifa. He's talking about the stereotypical warped view that he, mainstream establishment, Democrats, even a good chunk of Republicans, how they feel about MAGA. And they don't know what the hell they're talking about, by the way. They don't. Pluralism. Just go and watch the 2020 uh, Republican National Committee. You tell me how how nativistic that was, huh? You say that. Pluralism. Fancy word for diversity, and we don't care what you look like, by the way, and that's good. Pluralism is fine. And you say we reject it? I reject you, buddy. Why don't you go back to your paint shop? And by the way, those paintings stink. He paints like a slightly above average sixth grader with a paintbrush. And he gets to sell books. He puts them in books, and he sells them. Don't forget ever about George W. Bush, okay? He did nothing with his life, becomes president of the United States, fails to retaliate in an effective way after September 11, 2001, and then goes and invades the wrong country, Iraq, claiming falsely that it had weapons of mass destruction. Yet he still goes around lecturing us, right? What what an indictment of our culture, huh? Uh, Let's see here. That's what they all think of us. Hey, here's something that debunks what W just said and a lot of what Biden's been saying lately. You guys know, I think I touched on this yesterday. I don't like her. Kathy Barnett. All right. Cuckoo, banana, nut job, crazy. But she happens to have captured the imagination and the attention of a hardcore, I mean, really hardcore element of the MAGA movement. And they love her for her pro-life story and the the story of her origins and her mother and all that stuff. Now, I believe a lot of it's phony baloney. Now, she happens to be black, and that's one of the reasons why they love her so much. I personally don't care. I'm just skeptical about the facts. I'm skeptical about her resume, okay? (laughs) By the way, and they love Kathy Barnett, in part because she is black. And this is the hardcore MAGA element that George uh, that George Bush is afraid of, that Joe Biden's afraid of. These are the most peaceful, wonderful people in the world, MAGA, okay? And we're about ideas. We're not about skin color. Hey, I'm just looking at this. I've never heard of it. Shootings in Chicago are up 100%. 100%. And they were already totally out of control. Uh, Doug is on the, wait a second. Um, Lou is in Nassau County. Yeah. Hi, Lou. What's up? Greg, how are you? Love your show. Uh, my comment is simply this. I do not want this president to succeed, uh, and his administration. And, uh, when I hear that say, we want the president to succeed for the good of the country. It's for the, it's the bad of the country if this guy succeeds. It's our step to socialism and eventual communism. 
everything he does, the demented, devious, corrupt guy does, and I know that he's he's just a puppet on the strings of Soros and Obama and Clinton, it destroys America. I do not want him to succeed. Yeah, neither do I, by the way. And you know what? Sometimes the left and others, I mean, I remember when Rush Limbaugh said that and a few others that we didn't want Barack Obama to succeed. And they're like, oh, that's so anti-American. How could you? Well, he had a far left radical agenda. So we did not want that agenda to go forward. And it's okay to wish failure upon a president who has an agenda for the country that's unhealthy, that's more than unhealthy, that's radical, and that can ruin this country. Of course we don't want him to succeed. And it's absolutely okay to say that and believe it, all right? Now, (laughs) obviously, obviously, it's amazing, by the way. I said that about Joe Biden the day he was inaugurated. How dare you? He already told us enough. I do not want him to succeed. I want him to leave office a total and complete miserable failure. And he's almost there. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, you really can't win when it comes to Black Lives Matter, can you? Here's Patrice Coulors, known for her voracious apostasy appetite for high-end real estate. How much did she spend on those houses? $6 million for the one in Los Angeles. She gave her brother a million dollars. She gave her uncle a half a million dollars. She's <laughs> and um, But it's our fault for giving her all that money. Cut 28. After George Floyd's death, a tsunami of funding comes through BLM. Uh, some $90 million, right, to support the movement and support different organizations under your umbrella. And I wonder first, was that a shock, just the amount of money coming in? It was a major shock. It was also a lot of like, oh, wait, this I did not see that coming. Um, you know, contrary to what, you know, has been reported, much of the funding that came in was from individual donors. Um, that was a lot of white guilt money. There's a lot of white folks mm. being like, we just got to put the money. That's, the, that's that good guilt. $90 million of <laughs> guilt. That's a lot of good well, he said good guilt. She didn't say good guilt. Guilt money. Although she's not wrong, there is a lot of white guilt out there. I don't get it. I think it's artificial. It's been imposed by the, the, the woke culture, the far left, the mainstream media. Oh, I don't. I don't understand that. I don't want to understand it. I know it's a thing. I personally am not afflicted by it. Maybe it's because of. Uh, some of the decisions I've made in the past, joining the military, uh, uh, certain jobs I've had where you work with people of all different colors and all different this, that, and the other thing, and you realize very early on that people are people. And basically between 5% to 10% are total screw-ups of any race. Um, you know, just, I don't know, but we got a whole, a whole component of society right now. They just don't want to get to know you. They think they know you as soon as they see you. As soon as they see you, I see you. That's another big thing that they love to say. Oh, yeah, you guys really fell for it, didn't you? Half the people are in this next montage are white, half are black. Um, they're all stupid. Cut 29. We, the National Football League, believe black lives matter. We must say the words, black lives matter. Do I think black lives matter? Absolutely. Say it with me, Jimmy. 
Black, black lives, lives matter. matter. Of course, black lives matter. We here at The Tonight Show do support Black Lives Matter, and we are against any type of police brutality. Companies like ours must speak up as allies to the Black Lives Matter movement. Black Lives Matter, period. Did you hear Jimmy Fallon? who's a nice guy in ordinary life. I met him, well, what do I know about him? I met him like 15 years ago for eight seconds, and he was nice. But we here at The Tonight Show believe that black lives matter, and we oppose police abuse of any time. Well, who doesn't oppose police abuse? Right? You have to go say that? So you, I oppose crime. Do I have to say that all the time? Of course we do. We're human beings. Oh, it's kind of disgusting when you think about it. And they all say it in unison. Why? Well, it's a virtue signal. Well, it's a way to keep the mob at bay. You know, if you can't beat them, join them. I think there's some of that going on. Tom in Brooklyn, yes. Good afternoon, Greg. I used to be pissed off at you for a while. You know, uh, you were talking about, you were talk bad about the Iraq war. Yeah. I hated it. I didn't like that you were talking about the reasons why we invaded Iraq I was a sergeant, and I, and I believe I was there for good reasons. You know, the more I open my eyes and learn about the history of why we're there, I get disheartened about the war, you know. The more I learn, the more I can see the lies. You know, politics really suck, you know, and uh, sucks. You know, I was a front gun truck gunner, and um, and I'm not the same anymore, you know. I mean, Greg, I'm PTSD. I broke my back, a lot of other crap. Um, it reminds me, as a nation, though, uh, we need to look past politics before we enter into any conflicts. Now, I want to say thank you because you've opened my eyes to a lot about not just Iraq, but a lot of other, a lot of other subjects. And thank you, Colonel. Well, thank God you, bless. Tom. Hey, Tom, before you go, um, you know, here's the thing. And this is for some of your comrades as well, because I've heard that before. You know, hey, wait, we needed to be there for a reason. I don't know about you. But I joined the military and I realized, look, not every war is great. Not every war is you know, I, it was a it was a roll of the dice. I hope my government would choose well, but I knew sometimes they didn't, and sometimes they wouldn't. Um, you know, the Panama invasion in nineteen ninety. I had some issues with that ethically. I remember studying it in college and like you know wondering about it. Was it a just war? And the the Jesuits they have this whole criteria. You know, what is a just war? And it didn't meet those criteria. I joined the military anyway. I was interested in adventure. I was interested in um, the money. I was interested in learning how to fly. I was interested in the uniforms. And, oh, by the way, you get to serve your country. Yeah. So, you know, does that make sense? I mean, like, I, I, I want my country to behave well. But throughout history, there have been times where it hasn't. And that's not on you. That's not on me. That's not on the guys who are in Iraq. That's not their fault. It's certainly not yours. Right, Tom? Thank you, Tom. All right, buddy. That. Thank you. Thank you. you. Shame. Um, uh, appreciate you calling back. Uh, let's take, okay, we got break. Uh, do we have to do it now? Uh, very quickly, Dave in New Jersey, yes. Yes. Semper Fi from a former Navy guy, non-combat. I wish to say that George W. Bush is the worst vote in my life. I met Pat Buchanan in 2000. I shook Pat Buchanan's hand, and it was the worst vote, and that's more the lesser of two evils. What's in common denominator? Evil. And by the way, I will let you know I didn't vote for the top three in PA because uh, one, she doesn't have a DD-214, and the other two are carpet-bagging gun grabbers. Hey, hold on a second, David. Um, Buchanan's not so bad. 2000, I, I voted for George Debian, and that I, I was know, the but worst you, vote in my you, life. You don't have a beef anymore with Buchanan, do you? 
I don't mind him. I like him a lot. Thoughtful guy. Dave, thanks. That little dig in there about Dr. Oz, I'll ignore it for the time being. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Remember the fake news when any Trump administration official went on trial? They tried to make it this trial of the century, whether it was Paul Manafort, uh, Michael Flynn, George Papadopoulos, uh, Stone, Roger Stone. It was the biggest, worst thing that ever happened, right? All those guys didn't do anything wrong. They were just being harassed. Now that a Democrat is in significant trouble federal indictment. His trial is already underway. That Democrat is Michael Sussman, a lawyer for Hillary Clinton, the campaign of 2016. It looks like they got him cold on passing false information to the FBI and then lying about it, saying that he was just a guy off the street and he had these concerns when it turns out he was working for Hillary Clinton big time. Goes to the FBI, knocks on their door, and the FBI is like, yes, have a seat. Tell us more. Tell us everything. Oh, very interesting. Yes, we'll launch an investigation immediately. And uh, I guess it just came out in the trial that Hillary Clinton's campaign manager, a little twerp named Robbie Mook. Mook. What kind of name is that? M-O-O-K. Mook. Robbie Mook. Robbie Mook told reporters, yeah, Donald Trump's going down because uh, the FBI is looking at all this uh, Russia stuff. Well, it seems obvious now because the whole world was talking about it, but it had to start somewhere. And it started with Hillary Clinton and it started with uh, them putting out this false information. And Robbie Mook just said in federal court that Hillary knew all about it. Hillary knew that they were leaking false information. Now, uh, some people are saying, well, why would Robbie do this? Is he throwing Hillary under the bus? Nah, not really. Why would he say this on the stand? He probably sent an email saying the same thing. So uh, Hillary knows, and there's a paper trail, and, ooh, it's getting interesting. But, again, the fake news will pretend that this trial is not happening. Once again, his name is Michael Sussman, prominent lawyer in Washington, D.C., Democrat, and he is um, accused of lying to the FBI and trying to pass on phony information uh, implicating Donald Trump with uh, colluding with Russia, even though that was not true, is not true, not true. So, pardon me, he lied to the FBI, but it looks like the FBI knew they were being lied to. Excuse me, my goodness. Um, Yeah, yeah. Not good, but great, great that we're finally getting the truth. Oh, I love it. I love it. Hey, by the way, Princeton University, not very far away. Ivy League institution, uh, woke as hell, of course. And after summer of Black Lives Matter, it gets even woker and even crazier and even more liberal. And a bunch of teachers get together, professors, I guess of all races, and they put together the the dopiest manifesto I've ever seen. And it says that we must give teachers of color more time off, more sabbaticals, more money, all this stuff. We got to give them every break we can. We have to give them privileges that we don't have as white people. Huh? Yeah, that's how warped and corrupt the world was and is, by the way. Trying to reward people based on nothing other than the color of their skin and prejudice. Prejudice. I love it. I love it when black conservatives meet up with white liberals. Oh, boy, that's good to watch. That's fun to watch. Because quite frankly, if you believe in this nonsense and you're a white liberal, one, 
it takes one black conservative to blow you all out of the water. Hey, what's this? Biden abroad as Americans pay more for everything. Yeah, I know. Man, it's getting expensive. Man, it's getting crazy. It's going to be $6 plus for gas by this summer, I'm told. And there are like eight things that Biden can do. Actually, even if he just came forward and said, you know what? I was wrong about energy. Gas prices would come down immediately. Just like that. Let me see here. Let me see here. Got that going down. We got that going down. Oh, Jerry Nadler is still alive, apparently, and he's still in Congress, and he's still a raging idiot. You know who I'm talking about? The guy's about, well, he doesn't weigh as much because he got that gastric bypass surgery, but he's still round. He's just a smaller circle. Cut one, please. The problem is not that the Republican Party is racist. It's that the Republican Party won't call out the racist in its midst. Very profound. Very, very profound. What racists in our midst would you like us to call out? What are we dealing with here, huh? No, I like Whoopi Goldberg, and I actually like Joy, but when they get together, it's nonsense. Cut to. So Antifa. <laughs> what an idiot. <laughs> I have an Antifa. Yeah. She's very sweet. <laughs> There's Uncle No Tifa, but that's a whole other conversation. I mean, when did Washington really get to be a place where stopping domestic terrorism is divisive? I guess when they're part of the problem. When the domestic terrorists are voting on the bill. When domestic terrorists are voting on the bill. All right. I make a pledge to you, to me, and my family to never refer to the view ever again. Fair enough, fair enough. Okay, it's Friday. In the tradition of Rush Limbaugh, we're going to do a little bit heavy on the phones. Denise in Brooklyn. Yes, hi, Denise. Hi. um, I thought it was knowledge. I see hardly anybody knows about it, that when it came in Iraq, they went and they had this whole long truck convoy, Mm. and they sent it out in the middle of the night, very secret. Even some of the generals didn't know about it. Yeah, but you knew about it, huh, Denise? You knew about it. You know all about it. You're talking about the trace. Uh, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? What do you I'm got? I'm talking about the yellow cake. They found yellow cake. What do you got? Weapons. Huh? They went, they sent them to Syria, ah. and Israel blew it up, and Condoleezza Rice got all angry about it. She was like, you know, what yeah. did you do? You know, she was all angry at the Israelis because, you know, they were supposed to give them, uh, whenever Israel does anything, they have to let everybody know about it. So what the hell is Israel? What's Israel? Israel. Oh. Israel. Israel yeah. went, found out where they're hiding in Syria, all these, you know, these weapons, and they blew them up. Well, don't you think that if that's true, don't you think that's a lot smarter than uh, sending 100,000 guys over there to invade the country and ruin it? That is a lot smarter, yeah. yes. But I'm just <laughs> right? telling you that these weapons did exist. Well, no, I'll tell you that you're talking about trace uh, uh, remnants of uh, mustard gas left over from the Iran-Iraq war. Now, we were not told that, Denise. We were told that there was an active biochemical uh, program uh, underway in Iraq, and that is not true. Yeah, you're going to find a canister of mustard gas or uh, stuff around this, that, and the other place. I'm not shocked about that. 
That's not why we went to war. And I'm not actually going to give Israel all that much credit because, you know, it's not. Well, I am going to give them credit. They've been far smarter and more strategic and more surgical about this stuff than we have. So we didn't go to war for a couple of barrels of mustard gas. We went there when we were told, and Colin Powell made the case to the United Nations that there was an active biochemical weapons program in Iraq. A big, fat lie. You got that, Denise? It's, you, you, it's not, it was not worth it. You're speechless. You. I get it. No, I get it. I get it. I hear you. <laughs> it. All right. Thank you, Denise. Thank you. Hey, wait a second. Dennis is on the phone. Staten Island. Dennis. Denise to Dennis. Dennis, I. Yes? Please turn off that radio. It's driving me crazy. Hang up on him right now. It does drive me crazy. I'm not kidding. Chris in Westchester. Yes, sir. It seems like we got our our own problem. Are we doing this mistake? Are you guys doing something else? Chris is waiting. Hi, Chris. No. Oh, great. No, you're a guy. Yeah. Yes, Chris. What's up? Oh, yeah, Christopher. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry about the radio thing. I just ran yeah. over there. I just called. You picked up this quick. Well, what's up? Private. Sorry. Of Charlottesville. Yesterday, you brought up Charlottesville and the woman who was run over. Yes. Uh, um. Well, th- actually, she uh, climbed onto the trunk of the guy's car while he was being mobbed by, by the you know by the angry uh, the, the angry leftists. They were swarming him, and I think he was in a, in a like in a dead end alley or something. He he backed up out of fear. This woman climbed on his trunk while he's backing up, and I guess she, she fell off and got got run over. And her uh, her mother in her funeral said, "Well, she died for a good cause. You know, her mother was." Uh, same persuasion. Well, hold on a second. Look, I don't think we've been told the entire story, but I have seen footage of the of that incident, of that moment, and it does look very much like he's careening right into a crowd on purpose, and I see people flying all over the place, and I don't see anybody hanging on to the trunk. Oh, oh boy. Okay. No, Chris, I'm just telling you what I've seen. Now, tell me where to look. Tell me what else I, what have I missed? I've, I've seen that, I think it's a Dodge Charger, and the guy hits the gas, and he seems to just go careen right through a huge crowd of people. Now, uh, oh, I, what do you mean? Ooh, yeah. what, Chris? What? You telling no, me that's fake news? I'm listening. What's up? No, no. I, I heard fake news, I guess. I guess there's misinformation on the right, too. But also, there's not much room on the trunk of a Dodge Charger. So, uh, it, you know, Oh, so you're, so you're giving, I'm giving you doubt about the, what you heard. Is that it? Yeah, yeah, you straightened me out. Well, look, I mean, look, do me a favor. Keep researching it if there's something there. We have not been told, I think, the entire truth about that story. Now, by the way, if if everything is true, if it is what they told us, that this is a white supremacist and he barreled through uh, and killed poor Heather Heyer, uh, that is terrible. That is awful. But, but, I'm sorry, but let's face it, what happened in Waukesha is far worse. Why is that Charlottesville is this major inflection point in history. And things like the massacre in Boulder, Colorado, Waukesha, and on and on and on, they're just glossed over. It's obviously um, it's racial hysteria, and they want to create this notion that white supremacy is everywhere, and if they can do that, they can achieve more power. Um, who's they, by the way? Uh, the woke left, and the woke left owns Joe Biden. Oh, and you know who else owns Joe Biden? 
the Chinese. And right now, he's over there in a very awkward position. Joe Biden's in South Korea. And everybody knows. You know, every other, every country has an intelligence agency, including South Korea. And they know all about it. Hey, if NBC News knows, and they just published this week, that Joe Biden and Hunter, well, I should say Hunter, received something like $11 million over a five-year period from China. And when Joe Biden came out and said, that's not true. That's Russia disinformation. He was, uh, what's the word? Lying. Lying. All right. I got to run. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Is anybody on Facebook anymore? My Facebook account seems all but dormant. Uh, let me see here. And then the, that, that instant messenger thing that never seems to work very well. Uh, I don't get it. Hold on a second. Uh Uh-oh. Ooh, I have a, uh, all right. Very good. Very good. Very good. Um, anything else new? Anything else new? I, uh, I feel so indebted to Rush Limbaugh. You know, we quoted him earlier. I mean, uh, hold on. Uh, 61 in Madison. Uh, tell me more. Tell me more. I feel like Rush, when he called them the drive-by media, man, oh man, oh man. He was so right. I heard a reporter the other day lamenting that, Every time there's a mass shooting, he can't report from Congress something substantive about gun control. Like they're, they haven't moved the minimum age to buy a gun from 18 to 21. As if that's the answer. As if that's the answer. Maybe the answer is, and I'm serious, more people having guns. More people had guns. You wouldn't have so many mass shootings, perhaps. Or a mass shooting would start. And somebody could shoot the guy right away before the cops show up 10 minutes later. And sometimes it does. We love the cops, but sometimes, you know, they're far away, whatever. And defunding the police, that hasn't helped. Hey, by the way, did you see there was a guy in Norway who went on a rampage with a bow and arrow? And in China, it's kind of weird. But every now and then, like, they don't, you can't get guns in China, but you can still go on a killing rampage with a knife or a spear or a hacksaw. One guy chopped up something like 50 people on a rampage. So guns don't kill, people kill. Know what I mean? Mike in St. James, yeah, what's up, buddy? Happy Friday, as they say, although I don't like to say that. I take it back. Mike, what's up? Hello, Greg. Speaking of crime, you ever notice when the mayor has a press conference and he says he seized 300 guns, uh, he calls it an arrest? Isn't it actually a disappearance ticket? And are any of these people ever prosecuted when they show up in court? Wait, what? 300 what? He sees 300 guns. Yeah. Well, I actually, no, it was like 30 guns. I thought it was far less, wasn't it? The numbers were not impressive. Another thing, he doesn't know anything. Well, what is your question? He calls it an arrest. Isn't that misleading? It's It's a disappearance ticket. An appearance ticket or a disappearance ticket? It's called a, an appearance ticket. Yes. Yeah, an appearance people ticket. People ever get prosecuted when they come back to court and do the one-year mandatory? The only guy I know who actually did the one-year mandatory was Plaxico Burris, and they did that to him because he was famous. Plaxico, and all Plaxico. Gets, correct. And Plaxico, no, there were no, the only guy who was hurt was Plaxico. He shot himself with his own gun by accident in a nightclub. I told Plax, I told him to his face, you, you need a holster. You know where he stuck the gun? In his the waistband of his sweatpants. The waistband oh. of his sweatpants. All right, I'll ask Rudy about that. Uh, 
Uh, a well, bot. Let me, let me what? rephrase what? the question. Well, I, I, I don't know if I know the answer, but what? Is it an arrest? A disappearance ticket? Is it an arrest? Stop saying disappearance ticket. There is no such thing. Um, we know that being an arrested means as l- less than it's ever meant before. I know somebody was just picked up. They were just assaulted. They, they arrested a person, a woman. How long were they in jail? Two and a half hours. And yes, they get some sort of an appearance ticket. They got to show up and see the judge if they feel like it down the road. It is insane. Alvin Bragg, uh, you're responsible for a lot of this. Mainstream media, you're responsible in your overreaction to George Floyd and your shaming of law enforcement everywhere. You, 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 me, Lester Holt, Nora O'Donnell, uh, the other one, the pretty boy on ABC News, you guys, the New York Times, um, the L.A. Times, all of you together, the swamp, you and your overreaction to George Floyd. And let's face it, George Floyd was a total degenerate criminal. I don't like that video either. Nobody does. However, there are uncomfortable questions that should have been asked. Nobody had the, I guess, the what? What? The fairness, the the rightness of mind to put these, oh, except me, by the way, and a handful of others, Dan Bongino being one, pointing out that George Floyd had more fentanyl in his body to kill him. He also had a panic attack in the back of the car, and the cops were trying to help him when they put him on the ground initially. And, oh, by the way, yes, that horrible maneuver, putting the knee on the neck, I didn't write it. I don't think it's a good idea, but it was in the patrol manual to subdue a detainee, somebody you're trying to arrest, you can put the knee on the neck. It was in the Minneapolis Patrol Handbook. And that chief and that mayor who were so shocked, they, they were derelict of duty. They should have taken it out of the book, but it was there. So they damn near broke society. Bob, you think people should have more guns? Somebody just handed me this note. I'm listening. Greg, think about it. Ronald Reagan even said, it's peace through superior firepower. So what states have the less crime? It's the ones where people are allowed to carry guns. And at this point, there's 25 states that have constitutional carry. Where does everybody fleeing to the safer states? Florida, North Carolina, Virginia, South Carolina, where, you, where you're allowed to carry a gun. Th- these kids have, they don't care. They're, they're not afraid of anything. They, they're not afraid of getting shot. They get caught. They don't go away. Do you think, as I do, and I'm serious here, that there's got to be some effort to instruct inner-city youth who are embracing illegal gun culture that they have to be taught how to shoot. They have to be taught something about gun safety. They have to, they have to know something about the weapons they're handling and handling at this point so recklessly. Because yeah, I can't stand it. I can't stand it. These beautiful babies, these beautiful babies and children who continue to be killed by stray bullets. It shows me, it tells me that half of these gangbangers, mo- mo- more than half, 90% of them don't know how to shoot. They don't know what they're doing. They just think they look really cool on Facebook when they're holding a gun. Yeah, I wouldn't teach them how to shoot. I would teach the regular 
practicing walking down the street how to shoot. So they fire one round after those guys fire 10, and the guy's down off one round. It's one thing that television has taught us so poorly, by the way. Any TV show or movie, they fire 100 rounds before hitting anything. A lethal weapon, all these damn stupid movies. They're so unrealistic about, about weaponry. Yes, you're right. It takes one well-aimed shot to do what you want done. By the way, the number one um, lesson of gun safety, always treat every weapon as if it's loaded. Never point it at anything you don't intend to shoot. The basics. And you know what? I learned these at Boy Scout camp. I learned it at the National Rifle Association. Look, I know it raises some ethical dilemmas and practical concerns, but too many babies. And quite frankly, forgive me, too many babies of color are being destroyed by often babies who are not all that much older. Barack Obama, I'm telling you, man, you start the Barack Obama Violence Prevention Center in Harlem, I'll quit and join you. Be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, That's me. Getting a little goofy. It's uh, it's Friday. I like to not make a big deal about Friday, but I'm ready. This has been a long week somehow because uh, why? Oh, election night. Election night. I stayed up really late. You know, got you. I'm pulling for Doctor Oz big time, and I think he's gonna win. I uh, basically already has one. Let me see what I can tell you about here. I'm saying all kinds of good stuff. Let's see here. Uh, this is a tweet from Kornacki. He really knows politics. We just got a long-awaited vote update from Allegheny County, where 21 of the 31 precincts that weren't tallied on election night were just reported out. 809 votes total. Oz got 316. McCormick got 288. This bumps Oz statewide lead to 1,115. Significant because Allegheny is McCormick's base. Yahoo! I'm going to have a friend in the United States Senate. I don't know what good that's going to do me. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to. I, I think it's good. I just I, look, I love the guy. He's uh, he's a man of greatness. He can uh, the, the ability, the humanity, the altruism. He's got it all going on and he wants to give back. I don't get that sense from anybody. Very few other people who genuinely want to give back, who got talent and think they can do something amazing for America. He's one of the guys. The rest of them, they just want to go up that greasy pole as far as they can. They want to achieve fame. They want to get money. They want to make a splash on social media. Oz, he already had all that stuff. Trump, he already had all that stuff. Joe Biden, no. Everything he got, everything he is, he got from taking it from us, actually. Government, oh, my God. I'm looking at him right now at some, he's in some, oh my goodness gracious, this is bad even for him. He's in some uh, car factory in South Korea. He really does look like death. I'm sorry, this is, oof. And apparently he's making fun of uh, Peter Ducey. Is that what is going on? That Ducey's pretty good on Fox Fox News. All right. As we do in the tradition of Rush Limbaugh on Fridays, we go heavy on the phones. And that means it's uh, Christine in Middletown. Hey, Christine, you reached out to me on uh, on Instagram. I'm going to I I accepted your message. Anyway, what's what's going on? How are you? Thank you. 
Hi, um, hi, Mr. Kelly. I just want to send support to the LBGT members of the NYPD because um, the New York City Pride um, organizers, when they have their parade next month, they decided to bar those officers from marching in the New York City Parade, and that's a total disgrace. Mm, why did they bar them? And then I'll get to my larger thoughts about the Pride Parade, but why did they bar them? Well, because uh, they don't stress inclusiveness in our community, and there's a lot of there's a lot of hatred towards the law enforcement. They don't stress inclusiveness in the cop community. That's ridiculous. There are cops from 150 countries in the NYPD all over the place. NYPD, I mean the New York City, the Pride Commission, they're pride. Mm. All right. Hey, let me ask you something, man. Um, This whole idea about pride and the pride parade, which I have genuinely been supportive of. I haven't really given it all that much thought, but, you know, it's part of our culture. It's part of our fabric. And I've I've never had a problem with it. And I've always kind of, you know, yeah, it's great. Guys, go for it. You know, but, but, but here comes the but. Okay. (laughs) Why have pride in something that you had nothing to do with? And what, but what I mean is I don't think people choose to be gay. I think they're born that way. I just like I did not choose to be straight. I was born that way. I can see taking pride in things that I had no impact. And by the way, pride is a bit of a bad word. It's like, you know, we're not supposed to take excessive pride in things. uh, Well, things that are apart from God, which I guess you could argue sexuality is from God. But somehow I don't see it as a righteous thing to do. Could you imagine me? Did you ever see Saturday Night Live in the 90s, John Lovitz, when he played that character Merv the Perv? And he would go around making all kinds of, you know, obtuse, crude comments to women. You know, would you like to, you know, how about having us, you know, sit down in my lap? Just like, you know, really over the top stuff. I don't know. I feel like that would be wrong. And some, I'm I'm starting to reevaluating this pride thing. What are your thoughts? Well, it's funny you say that because I might sound like a hypocrite because I wanted to do something for NYPD, those officers, because in my city, I was um, appointed to our city's LGBTQIA plus commission. We have our own pride parade and rally in two weeks. And I proposed to the meeting the other night to send a formal invitation to those members of the NYPD to say you're welcome to come in our parade. And but the commission, our commissioners um, did not approve hmm. that vote, though. Yeah, and I'm just disgusted by the whole thing. Uh, All right, but let's face the it: these cops, these cops, itself. these cops did not join the police department to march in a parade, right? I mean, you know, come on. I mean, it's not I like the it's not the be all and the end all, you know. But it's just I don't like a lack of respect towards the military, our police, and our first responders. And that's what the New York City Pride, and that's what some of the people in our LGBTQ plus community do. And that's the part that really irritates me. Yeah. These are thankless jobs these people go through. They they at least deserve some respect from everyone. I think they do get thanked. Not enough, but they do get thanked. My dad tells me, and it's in his book, Vigilance, uh, one of his first, uh, what do they call it, his first jobs, he was walking down the street near NYU Law School, and a woman was being stabbed. And he came to uh, her rescue, by the way, and he uh, grabbed the guy, and they wrestled him. There was another guy involved, and and my dad put a tourniquet on this woman, and she sent him a very nice note. 
wow. And it's not, it's not as thankless as you might think. The public appreciates it. The public does. Now, the mob does not, but individuals in the public. Do. Hey, Christine, I look forward to talking. Thank you very much. Uh, what else have we got going here? Let's take one more from Bill in Manhattan. Yes, Bill. Hey, Greg, how you doing, man? All right. Hey, listen, man, uh, this weekend, check out General Sadat. He was in charge of the Air Force with Saddam Hussein. He knew him for 40 years. He was his only Christian advisor. He runs a church today in Michigan. And General Sadat wrote a book about how he transferred the weapons uh, and when it happened, exactly when it happened, on passenger on cargo planes that had the seats taken out. And uh, was a humanitarian aid mission to Syria, there was some kind of a big thing that had yeah, happened there. Yeah, all right, that's but that's not the weapons of mass destruction that we were told that were there, that he had an active biochemical weapons program. You're talking about remnants, as I mentioned earlier, from the Iran-Iraq war, mustard gas, low-level nerve agents, not the stuff. We did not go for to war. We did not send 100,000 guys over to do what a cargo plane and Dr. Sadat could have done in an afternoon. All right. We were told that there was something much more lucrative, much more lethal, much more important, significant than these trace amounts of WMD or whatever the hell they were. Mustard gas, chemical weapons, which almost are not mass destruction weapons. They're more tactical weapons. So uh, I'll check it out. Dr. Sadat. Huh? It sounds like an interesting story in and of itself that uh, one of Saddam Hussein's advisors is alive and living in Michigan. I want to check it out. Dr. Sadat. Is that his name? No, 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 listen. He's no, not, no, Bill, I got it. I'm good. Is it Dr. Sadat or not? Sada, Sada. Sada, Sada, S-A-D-R. Very believable guy. All right, thank you, Bill. I'll check it out. Thank you. You bet. I didn't mean to give him the brush, but I'm a little bit tired. I'm not saying he was, but I sense that he might. You know, I don't. We went to Iraq for a mistake, all right, and a lie. And, A barrel of mustard gas from 1982 does not justify the invasion in 2003. All right? I'm not saying uh, our friend who just called was going to say that, but I'm I'm getting a little... I'm up to here with this, uh, the justifier. That does sound like an interesting story, though. I want to check it out. All right. Where are we? Um, In honor of Rush, I will continue to take some calls. Eddie in North Babylon. Wait a second, Eddie. You stand by. You stand by. You stand by. We already did the Patrice Colors thing. All right. I am going to tell you a little bit more about why I'm out of sorts, and I'm going to fix it. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to fix it. When we first started this conversation in March of 2021, I was very honest with you about how my relationship with God changed just about everything in my life, and it did, and it's wonderful. However, I have let that uh, relationship languish somewhat. So for a good chunk of time, a couple of years, it was as automatic as brushing my teeth, all right? The Bible, the Bible, the Bible. Over the past month, eh, I'll get to it. I want to look at this Instagram first. Oh, my God, look at that video. Oh, my gosh, look at that girl. Oh, wow, look at this plane. Oh, my goodness, look at this watch. Oh, my God. And an hour and a half goes by. I can look at the trinkets of the world or spend time with God. What do you think is a better option? You know and I know. So how do I fix that? Well, I don't know how the hell I'm going to fix it, but I'm going to fix it, and I'm going to fix it starting tomorrow morning. It's um, And I also got to get the hell out of the house and start exercising again. You know, this dad bod thing is not a joke. I don't know what it is. I don't know what's going on, but you expend so much energy, and I love it, by the way. It's a labor of love, picking up this kid, picking up that kid. 
And my wife, by the way, works probably 10 times harder on that stuff than I do. And um, But it feels like I have no capacity to exercise. I have no capacity to resist treats. I have no capacity to not eat a large French fry from McDonald's, which I just did. Um, none. Yet it's more important than ever before because I want to live to see these kids achieve great things and maybe see them have children someday. So I got to be meticulous about my body and meticulous about my relationship with God. And I do recommend uh, the Charles Stanley Life Principles Bible. Yes, I've been neglecting it for the past month or so. However, uh, just about everything I've been able to achieve and do and uh, pales in comparison to the most important thing, which is, gosh, when he starts talking to you, you just want to please him. You just want to do things. And it's just, it really is an amazing journey. Why I like the Charles Stanley Life Principles Bible is it's got little explainers in there uh, that I needed to demystify some, some of the language. Not all of it, but some of it. All right. Uh, let's do this with Dennis in Staten Island. In honor of Rush. Yes, Dennis. Oh, hello. Thank you. What can I do? Can you hear me? Yes. Uh, I called yesterday. I got cut off about the drugs, the prescription drugs that a lot of these shooters, the white, young white men were taking. And it turns out that these schools won't let them in if they know that they're having a problem and they're not taking their medications. And a lot of these you know, behavioral drugs, which are legal and which doctors give them and schools demand them and parents think they're doing the right thing, they're not just suicidal, but they're homicidal, a lot of those side effects of the drugs. And look at some of these, these kids, you know, these, the last 15, 20 years from Columbine to, to last Buffalo, uh, they all have a, a history of taking these, these whatever they are, you know, for, for to take care of them so they can go back to school or they can act normal, but it makes them crazy. And so, suicide. <laughs> hold on. Yes, I look. I what you raise is important and it should be discussed more thoroughly and widely. Uh, yes, these anti-anxiety drugs, and they say it in the commercials. You know, uh, side effects include suicidal ideation. Well, suicidal homicidal. can also mean homicidal. And, oh, by the way, right. uh, you know, depression keeps us down in the dumps, you know, down in the dumps. Believe it or not, sometimes that's to protect us. If you get rid of that and you're up and up and up, then you can act on some of the – look, it's very – it's complicated, and we have not had a full, honest conversation about it. And uh, one of the reasons why we have not is because of the big drug companies and all their money and uh, these uh, uh, you know, media outlets are terrified of uh, being deprived of that money. So they don't want to talk about these these things. So I, as far as I know, I don't think workplaces don't let them in unless they take the drugs. Uh, they won't let them back into school. Mm, I think there's probably too many drugs out there, don't you? Uh, absolutely. And, and these then again, people, then again, I know people that this stuff can help. Oh, yeah. Well, that's it. They're legal. But the point is that he's really paying attention to it. If I could, just one quick thing. I don't know if you do any research into other sources. Have you ever heard of Gary Null, N-U-L-L? No. Gary Null has been on radio for 40-something years. He's on, uh, uh, well, anyway, he's on WAI in New York City, which I used to listen to all the time. But All right, what about him? 
Uh, he tells the truth. He's got a, a one-hour show, 12... All right, listen, day. I don't give a damn about him. I got my own problems. I got my own show, all right? I, I'm not going to listen. You, you're, you're calling my radio station to plug some other guy on another radio station. Hey, do me a favor. Plug Bernie and Sid. Plug Curtis Sliwa. Plug Rudy Giuliani, all right? Plug Dominic Carter. Plug me, for crying out loud. This puts me in a very awkward position, all right? I don't want to hear from... I, I like to pretend no other radio station exists in the world. All right, Dennis? I understand. Thank you, Dennis. I appreciate it. Uh, I got to go. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I need a couch. I need a couch. I need a couch for the office. I don't like not having a couch in the office. I need to lay down every now and then. You know what I mean? It's so bad, my back is a problem and my shoulder i need i think it's a defect i think i have something wrong hey are chiropractors any good do they know what they're doing chiropractors we got to get one on the show i've heard uh, some people swear by these folks i think they're great but i don't know i don't know if it's for me or not uh tony and elizabeth do you know anything about chiropractors yeah they're fantastic i mean um (laughs) what do they do how does it work well, I I don't know. I don't have any issues with my uh, with my joints or anything like that. What's the problem then? People, uh, I don't know. Exercise. All right. And, what's uh, up? What do you got? All right. Listen. Uh, first thing first. I hear you with your faith. I just wanted to say to you that Jesus loves you. Um, and um, my parents came from Cuba from the communist regime in the early sixties. And my father, when he was alive, he, uh, alive, he passed. Uh, he passed away. My mother and my father in January, five days apart. Um, they, my father, always said that what you are witnessing right now is directly from the socialist handbook. This whole division and corruption of the youth, and this race baiting things that are going on with this lie and manipulation coming straight from the broken system of information that is the media. Um, you know, it, it, the communism, if you look at it, socialism, they start with divide and conquer. Uh, with, starting with no, I know global. about this book. I know. They're, and they're, it's right out of their playbook, the stuff they're doing, the division, the, uh, the war against faith, all of it. Yeah, it's horrible, and uh, it's, it's their playbook. What else? And the only thing is that the media is feeding on it, and that's their propaganda machine. And like nothing is being done to hold these people and start questioning them because they're getting away with this propaganda, with this lies mm. and manipulation. I and think it's catching up. Country. It's catching up to them, pal. It's catching up. The people get it. The people understand. And we're going to speak in a big way in November. There's that. That's going to happen. I think it's failing. I think they're being called out on it. I think that Joe Biden, people don't look at, people are not fooled by Joe Biden. You think when he went up to Buffalo, anybody believed him? Anybody believes those ugly things he's saying about America? I don't think so. I mean, they're following that playbook, but it's an old playbook, and it doesn't work anymore. Got them this far, but it's uh, the jig is up. I just don't think it's going to work out for them, Tony. Thank you, pal, very, very much. <sighs> All right. I got to go across the street. I got to get ready. It's going to be a great show tonight. Uh, who the hell's on the show? Oh, we had Dr. Oz on last night. Man, oh, man, oh, man, he looks very senatorial. 
very much uh, like he's already won the thing, although I know technically he hasn't, but I think he's he's feeling pretty good, and these vote counts look very, very good. Uh, and uh, he's going to be, I believe, the next senator from Pennsylvania. And who knows? I, I just think it's great. I just think. All right, real quick. Walker is in Paramus. Yes, sir. Hi, Greg. Uh, Melania always said, when you hit Trump, he hits back harder. Look at Alec Baldwin, what's happened to him. And look at Jerry Nadler. Well, what about Jerry Nadler? Well, he's going for his life. He's got to run against Bill de Blasio and, uh, what's her name? Maloney, Carolyn Maloney. He had a nice, easy job. He was uh, doing. Now he's getting primaried. Oh, wait a second. Is that right? The 10th District is going to put Maloney and no. Nadler and de Blasio up against each other, all three? It's a dog fight. And maybe all three of those dogs will lose. No, I don't think. Wait a second. The 10th District. Hold on a second. I knew. It's redistricting. Yeah, I know about redistricting, but is that going to 10th District Congress? Uh, it doesn't really matter, by the way. These they're, they're such. I used to really care about who was in the Congress. As long as it's a Republican majority, I don't really care. I just don't. Um, let's see here. In a new district that includes parts of Brooklyn and Manhattan, uh, de Blasio wants to run, blah, 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 blah. He was on Morning Joe. Last month, the highest court struck down as unconstitutional Democrat-friendly lines. Uh, the 10th District, which is currently held by Representative Gerald Nadler to include large swaths of Brownstone, Brooklyn. Da, da, da. They may yet to some revisions uh, the border. De Blasio will enter the race better known than almost any potential opponent. Uh, who are the other opponents? Uh, Nadler is the big one. They include State Senator Brad Hoyleman, uh, State Senator Simka Felder. Oh, I know that guy. I kind of like him. Uh, Assembly members so-and-so, Robert Carroll, Joanne Simon, Daniel Goldman. Uh, who the hell are these people? Uh, I don't see uh, Malone. Wait, oh, Mr. Nadler and Representative Maloney, both high-ranking Democratic leaders in Washington, have declared their intentions to run in the 12th district for now. But parts of their old districts also comprise the new 10th. So in a private conversation in Washington this week, Mr. Nadler and Ms. Maloney were still trying unsuccessfully to convince the other that they could not win the 12th and ought to run in the 10th, according to two people briefed on the matter. Under the proposed map, roughly 55%. Who cares? Uh, as long as we um, look, it's going to be it's going to be one woke maniac or the other, but they'll be in the minority. Doesn't that encourage you, Walker? That encourages me. All but right. Getting through. I'm well, happy for him. OK, good. Thanks, buddy. Um, boy, oh, boy, the girls on Fox News are beautiful. I'll give them that. And I'm looking at two beautiful girls on it right now, and they don't like each other. Oh, man. The one on the left, you could tell. Did you see that look she was just given? She was steamed. Because the other one, uh, they're both beautiful, but the other one who was talking was younger and hotter. Sorry. And uh, I, uh, <laughs> I just, I, uh. well, who's this? Who's this with the hat on? Oh, they always make a big deal about the Preakness. First, it's a Kentucky Derby, and then it's the Preakness. Look at that dopey hat. Who is this person? Um, when is Where is that? Baltimore, the big race, the one that won the, yeah. And it's coming up, the Belmont Stakes. I will not be going. I went once. It was way too crowded. People ran out of gas on the highway. All right, join me tonight. Uh, Rush, we still love you, buddy. And I'll see you at 7 o'clock on Newsmax. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye.
traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.